do that right now, lift your hands and just love him back. Would you love him? Give him love. Give him love. Adoration, praise this for he's worthy today. God is not an egomaniac in that he needs to be praised. He is God and he loves us and he tells us that he inhabits and lives in and dwells in and moves in the praises of his people. In other words, God responds when we praise him. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord forever. I, uh, while they prepare the, the media, I just want to tell you that one of the most familiar Scriptures in all the Word of God is 1 Kings chapter 18. And it is there that we find Israel, Samaria rather, that is, has been taken by famine. And not only that, on top of that, there has been a drought for some three years. It is a dry place. The people are hungry. They are hungry for a physical feeling, but God said, I'm trying to get you to understand that you need to have a spiritual infilling. And that before I can feed you physically, you must be willing to be fed spiritually. I must be able to speak beyond your physical hunger and perceive and understand and know that I am responding to a spiritual hunger. And there are many times that we put things in the wrong place in the wrong order on the totem pole in our lives. And God said, if I can get you to do this, I promise you I'll do that. If I, and the word tells us that, that Ahab and Jezebel have been looking for Elijah the prophet. Every time the false prophets, there are 400 false prophets of the groves, there are 450 false prophets of Baal, and every time they think they have Elijah, he disappears. And so Ahab speaks to his godly servant, Obadiah, who has held and helped 100 godly men in two caves. He has fed them water. He's fed them bread, given them water, and he has hidden them. He loves God. And Ahab says, go find Elijah. And, 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 and Obadiah goes and he finds Elijah. And Elijah said, you tell Ahab, but today I will meet with him. And Obadiah said, what have I done? Why would you set me up like that? Every time we tell him, somebody tells him you're here, you disappear. Are you trying to get me killed? Are you placing me in a place of danger on purpose? And, uh, and Elijah said, you tell him today, I'll be there. And Ahab comes and they meet together. And Elijah, Ahab thinks he's in control, but Elijah is the voice of authority. And Elijah said, you gather the people together and all the false prophets on Mount Carmel. And he said, God will meet us there today. We'll make a decision about what is really right and what is really wrong and whether or not we want God to be our God. And so it is in that background, in that setting, that this morning, if you would, just tug at your collar a little bit and, and turn to your neighbor and tell somebody it's getting a little warm in here. <laughs> a, little, a little warm in here. And the Word of God said in 1 Kings 18, verse 37, Hear me, O Lord. Elijah prays, hear me. 
Because I don't want anything. I want to be in that place where God hears me. That this people may know that you are the Lord God. Next verse. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. May that be our declaration today, God. May you anoint us and empower us. Give us discernment and direction. God, may there be a desire within our heart, soul, mind, and in our strength today that God, you are God and that there is a passion and a fire that burns deep within us that not only today but tomorrow and the day after that and the day following that somehow we can share this hope, we can share this deliverance, this love, this mercy, this grace that comes through Jesus Christ the Lord, that comes through a sovereign God who knew us when we were still in the womb of our mother, that God, somehow today we will feel and share and deliver with passion this great message that you are God and you are in control. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. You may be seated. It started at 9 p.m. on October the 8th in the year 1871. How many of you remember that day? <laughs> to, this, to this day, city officials still don't know for sure what caused the blaze. But it started in a small barn that belonged to the O'Leary family. Can I establish this precedent right away? That a fire always starts somewhere. It always starts with someone. It may be students gathered together at Asbury, University. It may be a group of genuine hungry students at Lee University, at Samford University. It might be a group of students or elders or seniors right here at the Summit in the Church of God, but it always starts somewhere and it gathers, it draws, it pulls together. It will start somewhere with someone. Two-thirds of the structures in Chicago were built out of wood. And so that lends to the question, what kind of conduit are you? What are you really made out of? What is really going on inside your heart and your soul and your mind today? 
Even the roads, even the sidewalks were built out of wood. Compounding the problem, Chicago only had one inch of rain between July the 4th and October the 9th and a strong wind, strong wind was pushing toward the heart of the city, of the city. And so the question again is, are we pushing toward the heart of anything? Are we really pushing toward the heart of Summerton and the heart of Jasper and the heart of Dora and our surrounding community? The conditions were right for an absolute, absolute breakthrough in a negative way in regard to the fire in Chicago. The Chicago Fire Department only had 185 firefighters. And to compound matters, uh, the watchmen over the city initially sent them to the wrong address. Sometimes those who should be doing the most, uh, being the most responsible, are in the wrong place at the wrong time for a fire in their lives. Sometimes the watchman is, is you. Amen. And so we are not only that, but a meteorological phenomenon known as a fire whirl took place creating a tornado-like effect in the city of downtown Chicago. That massive fire would cover four miles in length. Stay with me. It burned more than 2,000 acres, 73 miles of roads, 120 miles of sidewalks, 2,000 lampposts, eight Yes, 18,000 buildings, 222 million in, in property damage. It killed 300 people and destroyed 100,000 homes. In other words, when the fire started building, when the fire was initiated and began to burn, it took something with it. It covered some ground. It made an impact. Impact. Everybody it touched was caught in the fire. God, give us a positive people like that, that everything we touch, everywhere we go, every impact that we make is somehow taking someone with us. God himself is looking for searching for a strong wind to touch our city, our nation, our campuses, our heart, and our homes. God is looking for an uncontained fire. But there is a difference between an uncontained fire and a fire out of control. It is indeed incomprehensible to be set aflame and have no conviction about what caused you to burn, to be set off and not understand what set you up, to feel like an inferno on the inside, yet dazed and confused at the source of your heat. 
feet. I don't know what caused me to burn like that. I don't know what caused me to be angry like that, to be frustrated like this, to be envious and jealous like this. But indeed this morning, if you are going to burn for God, you must have a conduit that increases the brightness of our flame. If we are indeed going to be light, we must burn with passion for the light. Two-thirds of the structures in Chicago were built out of wood. It was an easy burn. I need someone in this church that's easy to burn and burns for the right reasons and the right God. Amen? You see, fire can attach itself to three elements. Fire can attach itself to gas, it can attach itself to liquid, and it can attach itself to charcoal. However, <laughs> so if, if I'm attached to any kind of style, I have fire, I must have fire because I, I'm attached to my preference. Uh, I'm attached to a singular emotion. If I cry, I must be holy. If I laugh, I must be happy with God. If, if I shout, then I must be Pentecostal. If I attach, no, no, no. Fire is the outward sign that something is indeed burning on the in on the inside. I can burn and you may not burn. I can chase all the revivals at all the universities. I can chase all the Benny Hens and all the TBMs that I want to, but just because fire burns in them does not mean that fire is burning in me. I must have a relationship with a holy God that says he's my God, I am his child, I have made up my mind that I will burn with some kind of passion for who he really is. Amen? The fire of the Holy Ghost, a holy God, indicates that there is a reaction to a change that has happened inside my soul. Uh, Some people, all they do is pour out rain. Don't look around. Pour out rain. Uh, they soak the flame. Have you ever felt real good about something, had a great day, and just walked through the door of wherever, and, and before you could get two feet inside, someone just knew how to... <laughs> that never happens here. I'm sure it's never happened on a Sunday morning. You've got about two, you've got about two rows of pews, two rows of chairs down, down the aisle. Somebody just said something. The question is, can anybody really feel your fire? Oh, they can feel a lot of things from you. But can they feel your fire and your passion to live in right relationship with a holy God? Remember, if you will, when he showed up, the word said he came like a rushing mighty wind. The word said those tongues were cloven tongues like as a fire. Birmingham needs to know that Summerton is the place that will burn. Amen. I see dead people. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
was the catch line of the famous movie, The Sixth Sense, where the little boy saw dead people. There was only one problem. They didn't know they were dead. The Chicago fire covered four miles. I need some folks in this house that will say 2023 is the year that I will cover my four miles. Pastor, don't worry about the four miles around my business. I've got it covered this year. Don't worry about the four miles around my, my school. This year is the year that I am, I am fire. Don't worry about the four miles around my house. My husband, my wife, my children will burn in the passion and the flame and the fire of a holy God. We've got our neighborhood covered. Don't worry about our church. Don't worry about summit in church of God. This is the year that our community will know who we really are. Uh, will anybody lift your hand and say, I've got my four miles covered. <laughs> yeah. Be light. We can know all the demographics that are around us and about us. We can know this is good and we can know that is bad, but can they feel us? Do they know who we are? Do they know what we have to offer? Do they know that we are true to our word? Lift your hands in the house and praise him today. No one who ever walks through any of these doors should walk into this house and see dead people. Joey, come help me. As long as I'm alive, as long as I have breath in my body, somebody will know that I have a passion and a fire for God. Would you walk up that aisle and back and would you just shout it out as long as I have breath, somebody will know my testimony. Somebody will hear my voice. Hey, hey. Jeremy, Jeremy, come help me. Tell him, go, do, go do the same thing up that aisle right there. Go out of that aisle. Tell them, tell them, as long as I have breath, can I get anybody to volunteer that will stand up, that will walk and say, as for me, as for me, I've got my four miles covered. I will burn with the passion and the glory of the, of the Holy God. Amen. Amen. He's Hey, somebody in this, praise him over here like you mean it. Don't worry about them. Praise him over here like you mean it. Praise him, young people. Praise him like you mean it. Praise him like you know that God is God. Oh, holy God. Hey. I got a word from someone yesterday sent me a quick, they said, Pastor, you won't have to do it. Don't worry about it. 
said, God will show up in the morning. He's got you. He's got this church. I'm with you, and I'm ready to move. I'm ready to break in upon, and my people who are hungry, and my people who are thirsty, I will quench the flood. I will quench. I will quench the famine. I will quench the thirst. I am ready. If you are ready. Listen. Will anybody just help me be a cheerleader one more time? Will you lift your hands and praise me? You can have all the bells and whistles, and we have a lot. I'm thankful. You can have all the bells and whistles and be the cool church. But if no one feels your fire, if no one knows that God is really God, we have become nothing more than the best glorified country club that our state has to offer. But if there is really a passion and the glory of God and the conviction about who God is in our lives, God will move in us and through us and this community will know about it. If we are to intently observe verse 21, we understand that Elijah calls them out. To say the least, things are getting a little warm inside the palace. Nobody likes to be called out. But someone, sometime, is trying to save your life. Someone needs to remind you that we can make a trade of the fire of hell and eternity for the fire and the glory of God and spending eternity forever in his presence. Those drugs will kill you. That adultery will kill you. That negative tongue and attitude will kill you. And you are going to hell just as fast as a murderer on death row for doing that as if you pulled the trigger yourself. I'm telling you today, God is going to clean up a church and a vessel and a people and he's preparing himself to be poured out upon those who are hungry and thirsty for him. You can't do it and call yourself a Christian. Your, your name could be on the church roll here for 55 years and you can't do it and be a child of God. Uh, can I get anybody to make a trade today? Elijah said, how long will you halt between two opinions? In other words, this has brought you to a dead stop. You are fro- you're the frozen chosen because, because you, uh, you can't move forward. You won't let it go. Either God is your God or Baal is your God. 
How long will you keep living caught in the middle, acting like a Christian on Sunday and, and cursing and, and living, doing whatever you're doing on Monday? Caught without a choice, caught with no way out, caught with your walls all put up. Elijah said, make a choice. I'll give this to Elijah. He thinks he's the only one, but he, he, he has a bravado. He has a relationship with God. He doesn't back down. He is outnumbered by Baal alone, 450 to one, but Elijah challenged all the people, listen. It only takes one man to light a match. It only takes a few people to catch flame. After service, after we prayed Wednesday night, Sarah walked behind me. She didn't say much. She just said, Pastor, it's coming. She said, it's coming. She said, there are some things that we gotta get past, but it's coming. Can I just remind you, those that are hungry and thirsty for God, that the fire is still coming. <laughs> we may have gone through some dark days. We may have gone through some tough times. We may have gone through some rebellion along the way, but the fire of God has not failed us. He is still coming. One man makes a difference. One man who will pray in the spirit. One man who will touch the heart of God. I just want to remind you, Tammy, sometimes you are the minority. Nicholas, sometimes you're in this and it feels like you're in it by yourself. That no one's hungry like you're hungry. Sometimes God wants to know if you will stand with him even if no one else does. I'm telling you this morning, Deborah, would you just stand up and intercede? Would you just stand up and praise him right now? You don't have to say anything specific. Just praise him. Just bless him. Everybody cry out, everybody pray, everybody. God, I will not halt any longer. I will not wait any longer. I'm ready, God. Brian, have you, have you ever met any Ahabs in your life? Paul, have you had any encounters with a Jezebel in your life? How many of you know those things are not easy? That as a child of a living God that we encounter Ahabs and we, we encounter Jezebel, those are wicked spirits. 
there's the, there's the Jezebel of the Old Testament and there's the Jezebel of, of Revelation. Neither one of them are good. Listen. Some things are going to get better. God's going to pour his spirit, his fire out upon all flesh. But Timothy tells us that in the last days, perilous times will also come. That men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, and proud. They will live a whole different reality than what we've known growing up. The culture we've been raised in, the church culture. I'm telling you, when you meet those forces and you meet those kind of spirits and those kind of people, those Ahabs and those Jezebels, just winging it is not going to cut it, child. You're not going to be able to wing your way through it like you've been doing the last 10 years, the last 10 months, the last 20 years. It takes a fire and it takes a power. It takes a relationship with God to stand in the face of Jezebel and tell her you're a liar. You're against the God that I serve and I will not budge and I will not move. I come to you with the fire of the Holy God. You can't deal with Jezebels and people lost in idolatry without something like fire. Sarah, there's a reason that Elijah, Brian, there's a reason that Elijah is the man they're after. As long as I sing your song and I sing your praise and I tell you everything that you want to hear, I'll be your favorite pastor in all the world. But when you've turned your mind and your life over to idolatry and you're worshiping style and preference and you're worshiping these things that that don't mean a hill of beans to God and I call you out on that, I'll be the worst pastor that you've ever encountered in your life. You'll say, I love the pastor, but yeah, when you get in your little groups and you get. Pastor, that doesn't mean much. Why did you have to go and get mean for? I'm going to tell you why right now. When no one else is standing, Elijah is standing. When no one else can make a decision, he's already made his. When no one else knows that Baal is lifeless and listless and dead, Elijah has already heard the voice of the living God. That's why we don't always understand. I don't think we get it. I'm far from believing. I've got my own crosses to bear. I've got my own things I deal with. Every day I wrestle with it. But I think somehow we have lost the semblance of importance that it is to have somehow been with God when we stand behind the pulpit. (laughs) That it's more than just being practical. It's more than just being friendly. And it's more than just singing the right song. It's more than just having a friendly smile. We are quickly approaching a day where we've got to have men and women that will stand in the presence of a holy God and deliver a truth. Come what may.
voice of the living God. Dana, tell somebody back there. <laughs> this is why it's so important. Listen, how many of you have heard this story since you were in Sunday school? Equip class. You've heard this story since you were a child. Elijah calls down fire from heaven. It's just an old story. And we just kind of blow it off. But I want to ask you this morning, have you seen Baal? This is important. Do you even know what you are choosing? That's what God's speaking to, into us today in 2023. Do you even know what you have put before me? The God of religious prostitution, anything for a dollar. Baal, the God of a debased sexual worship. The act of sexual intimacy should be good. It should be godly. Baal, the God of human sacrifice. Listen to this. Baal, the one who buries young children in the foundation of a house. Baal, known as the possessor, Beelzebub, the god of flies, Baal, the god of solar cults. Elijah calls them out. Elijah said, do you even know what you're choosing? What you've put into your foundation? This Baal is who you are with and what his people do? Jezebel has been feeding. Famine, thirst. Boy, my church sure is thirsty. This, our church sure is dry. What have you been feeding? Every day, every night, 850 prophets of Baal and false prophets gather around the palace table. Even back then, that cost would have been $663,000 plus dollars a year. They're in a famine. For three years, the people are thirsty. And I'm feeding these lunatics around my table. I'm feeding what is unholy and ungodly, speaking in the name of God, speaking in the name of something that can deliver us. And I just keep feeding into it and feeding into it, feeding into it, and it's dry. And God's people are thirsty. What are you feeding? Oh, it's not number one in my life. Do you spend more feeding it than you do? I hear the voice of Elijah as he shouts today. You're trying to get fire with that? You're trying to burn summiton with that? You're trying to build a fire in your family with that? How can you build a fire in your church when you can't stay off the triple X channel? And we don't have any problem with that. That's easy to fix. And that's easy to remedy, we think, if we will pray. But what if it's the fishing channel? What if it's the horticulture channel? What if it's how you rebuild your house in 30 days channel? How you build a fire in your church when you're attracted to flies instead of sheep? 
How, how do you build a fire in your church when, when you're killing one another with what you say and how you feel? And dead religious cold hearts are stuffed in your foundation. I pray, God, help me be gentle. Help me to be loving. Please don't take this message the wrong way. I feel like in essence that for maybe a week, two weeks, the enemy has tried to keep this message from being preached. That just maybe he wanted me to change direction and, and take another avenue. But I, but I believe this is, is the word of a holy God and that, that God demands that we hear it. Amen. You've heard me speak a lot about, about yesteryear and yesterday and today since I've been here. That's nothing new. I've been preaching it probably, probably for the last five years. You know why? That's because I respect my foundation. My father is here this morning. Him and mom have poured into me righteous living, poured into me living for God. Have they made mistakes in life? Absolutely. But I respect them and my foundation. I've known nothing but the church of God all my days, but my loyalty is not Cleveland, Tennessee. And my first loyalty is not my denominational brothers and sisters. I love them, but my first loyalty is to God and that my foundation is right before God. I respect my foundation, but I'm afraid there are far too many people Living out of the embers of glory days past instead of building fresh fires from the flames of today. I may be, I may be talking to some good, good people today, but you're buried in your foundation and you stopped building with a fire a long time ago. Let me tell you what real fire does. Come down here, Bane, and help me. I knew I was supposed to. Somebody will mind your post back there. Don't let anybody in that's not supposed to come in. <laughs> Man, listen, you take what you've got. You take that foundation. You take that testimony, and you pour in the light. Put your hand on You want to get your foundation right? You start doing that. You want your foundation right? You find a child and help, and help labor and help lead them in the ways of the Lord. We're, none of us are too good to serve in children's church. None of us are too good to help with our teenagers. None of us are too good to help with our seniors. I tell you, to do something like that and you'll start building on the right foundation again. Do that and God will pour you. Do that and God will bless. Do that and God will move. Get on a bus Sunday after Sunday. Take kids to Birmingham every year. Buy them Christmas presents. Do that. You spend half as much time working as you do complaining. Elijah called them out. Listen, being called out up in the balcony, it might save your life today. 
I can't save it, but God can save it. God will save it. God, God can take that bitterness, that hurt, that, and he can replace it with joy unspeakable that's full of glory. Elijah called them out. He said, why would you choose this? When you serve a God, you can serve a God that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Why would you choose that when I serve the God who gives life and life more abundantly? Why would you choose that when I serve the God who loved me and gave himself for me? Why choose that when greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Why would you choose that when God says no weapon formed against you shall prosper? I hear the voice of Joshua today that says choose you this who you will serve but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord amen amen and they stand with me all over this house turn to a neighbor tell somebody the fire is still coming Tell me, how do we know? Because God said, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men will have visions. God has promised. I just said, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. He said, the prophets of Baal jumped up and down on their altar, on their sacrifice, from morning until the evening sacrifice. Mark Brasher jumped up and down, cursed, called on the name of Baal, cut themselves. The word said, I know this is dramatic, said until the blood gushed out upon the altar. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. Hey, listen, some of you, you think you're cutting everybody else. You're just cutting yourself. The same old stuff just keeps gushing out, just keeps coming out. Nobody can tell you anything. And if, God, if you'll let God speak to your heart again, you'll start to love. And when you start to love, you'll be loved. When you cry out for God, God will show up. When you ask God for fire, God will send fire. Hey, you don't believe it's happening today? Sam Smith uh, screamed about the devil on the Grammys uh, and wore devil red, uh, but nothing happened uh, before the week was over. Elijah's God showed up at Asbury, showed up at Lee University, showed up at said, God will answer every call and cry of the enemy. He is faithful. He is still moving. Fire is still coming Woo, man I feel well I didn't see the Grammys don't watch them I didn't see that you don't need to
That's what Sunday evening at 5 o'clock has been about. With Josh and Brian. That's why we've been praying. That's why we've been asking God. I started this series back in November. Took a break through the holidays. I didn't know exactly why. I thought, God, there's some other things I could pray. Why? Why desire the fire? I, I, I think it's because we got so many chasing after the wrong fire. They miss God. I want to do this first. I've got, I've got something I want to tell you that's important. But I, I, I need some people that will look deep into a mirror this morning and say, Pastor, I need God. We don't preach this much anymore. I need God to check me on my sanctification. I need a sanctified mind, a sanctified heart. That just means being godly. It just means being scriptural. It just means being who God called you to be. Is there anybody in this house right now that you're bold enough? It may be one, it may be ten. You're bold enough that say, Pastor, will you help me check my sanctification? I'll come stand in this altar right now and let you pray with me. I need to check myself on my I'm sanctified. I've been in the church 42 years. I've seen people in it 52 years and never been sanctified a day in their life. It's sad. I'm not trying to be funny, facetious. It's... If you're married, you probably need to check your, check your sanctification. If you're single, you probably need to check your sanctification. Would you lift your hands toward a group of people that are just being honest before God? And if you weren't bold enough to come, pray for yourself right where you are. God, today, I pray over our beautiful people. I, I pray over this beautiful congregation. And I ask you, God, sanctify what we say. Sanctify what we look on. Sanctify, God, that we hear what we should hear and know what we should know. Live the way we should live. Sanctify us afresh. Sanctify us anew, God. That we live like Jesus and we think like Jesus and we behave like Jesus. If you're out there and you know these people by name, not out loud, just call them by name. Pray for, pray over somebody by name right now up here. God, I pray that my board is more sanctified than they've ever been. I pray, God, that my staff is more sanctified than they've ever been. My family more sanctified than we've ever been. That, God, we are preparing ourselves as a conduit for the fire of the Holy Spirit. That, God, fire will come when we have prepared ourselves.
Everyone that will, everyone that's still out there, will you press your way into the aisle? Will you press your way? Come as close as you can possibly get this morning. If you're in the balcony, you're more than welcome to come. I'm doing this for a reason. Please come. I love my church. I love my pastor. I love this staff. I love our leadership. I'm, I'm coming this morning. I'm coming. The word said it before Elijah called on God that he repaired the altar that was broken. He repaired the altar that was broken. Maybe that you're dealing with some broken altars in your life. Some things that you need to give back to God. And he said, make the altar ready. And, and the word said that he, he put the sacrifice on the altar. He dug a trench and, and he just covered, he soaked it again and again and again in water. And that when he said, God of heaven and earth, when he said, will you answer us by fire right now? The word of God, the word doesn't show me any hesitation on God's part. That God ignited it a flame. And when it happened, the people, Jonathan, fell on their face. I, I just think that it may be this after. <laughs> it may be this afternoon. It may be in a, a dark closet somewhere in your home, but that someone will get along with God. That you will fall on your face again and God say, Help me to do what I've got to do to be in right relationship with you. And this is a simple point that I want you to get and we're going to pray and dismiss. I, I really don't, don't let this go. Get this. In the days that followed the Chicago fire, New York City gave Chicago $450,000. That was in 1871. That's a lot of money. $450,000. St. Louis gave $300,000. London, 1,000 guineas. Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Buffalo, all commercial rivals, donated hundreds of thousands of dollars. Milwaukee sent equipment to rebuild the city. I love this. Do you know where the city officials decided to meet? where they decided to hold government and, and to rebuild the city? You know where they met? They made the first congregational holiness church. Let's go to the church. We've been through something. Let's get to the church. Uh, we don't really need anywhere else to meet. Let's, what are you talking about? Pastor, I'm talking about the aftermath. Anybody in this house been through something in your life? You've been through some hard times, some tough times? Bethany? Bruce? I'm talking about the aftermath. Fire dictates the aftermath. 
Places we never thought help would come from, all of a sudden, God uses people and places and things that we never expected in a million years to start blessing us. That's what God, God said, if you'll call on me, I'll answer by fire, but I'll also answer you in the aftermath. Let me boldly say this morning that the real church keeps operating in the fire. Elijah said to those people who just minutes ago were his rival, take the prophets of Baal. And they took them and they slew them at the brook Kishon. If the fire of God does anything, it brings us together. So if you keep operating in division and you keep operating in your differences and that's all you want to talk about, we're probably not the church for you. Because the fire of God brings unity in the aftermath. That's a powerful principle right there. Fire causes you to gang up on the enemy and not one another. It tears down the enemy. God said yesterday, I felt like he spoke it directly into my heart. He said, you tell somebody it's time for the aftermath in your life again. Time to work together. Bitterness will not burn. God said, if you'll let me, I'll make you a conduit again. And I'll set you aflame with my glory. I hope I've been faithful. I feel like I've delivered the word of God to the best of my physical ability. I'm still tired. I'm still a little shaky and weak. From life, but boy, I have felt a touch of his glory today. Jonathan Dodd, come up here. We may have someone else scheduled to come and close, I don't know, but I want you to, to pray over these people today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your salvation, Lord. We thank you for the fire you've put in each one of us, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, that you'll go with us as we leave this building today, Lord. Don't let the fire end at the door. Let the fire go with us outside. Let us interact with the community, Lord. Let us interact with each other, this week, Lord, and stoke the fire in others. Because that's where it's at, Lord. It's not just about us. It's about the community. It's about the people we see and the people you put in our lives to reach. Pray that you put them in a path with us, Lord, so that we can influence them and make a change in someone else's life. In Jesus' name, amen.